Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another installment in our series from the book of Ephesians chapter 6. See, I'm so glad I wasn't asked for an opinion on how we were going to name this series because you know what? I would have called it, Behold, Don't Chase the Devil Naked. <laughs> but we were kind to you and just named it Suit Up because we're really talking about putting on the whole armor of God. And this is very, very important, especially in this season. And I'll encourage those of you that are joining us for the first time to please visit our website, viewchurchmilnaton at uh, .co.za. You are going to find the two other parts that have been done already. And we're moving on dealing with each piece of the armor as we look at putting on the whole armor of God. And today we are talking about one very important piece of the armor. So every piece that we talk about in a particular week, that's the most important uh, piece of the armor. So uh, I'm going to read uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18, just to kind of give us the context. And I read from the English Standard Version, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened your, on, the, on the belt, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, let the entrance of your word bring light into our hearts, into our lives, and let it bring about the deliverance that we so desperately need. Help us understand these things and let them work for us as we begin to obey what you are asking of us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There is a saying that goes, if you want to take the island, burn the boats. 
But the origin of that st uh, statement is it comes from, from something that actually happened in 55 BC when Caesar, Julius Caesar, the Roman emperor, wanted to take over England. He wanted to rule, exert military force over England. But when they landed on the shores, he looked back at his soldiers and they were securing the boats just in case something happens, you know, they were securing them and making sure that they were safe so they could return to them. When he looked at that, he started thinking, man, we are not going to win this war. So in an instant, he said, mm, burn every bot. They were shocked, but they did it because that was a command, not negotiable. So when he did that, he eliminated any possibility for any one of the soldiers, any one of the soldiers to look back or to surrender because his mind was set on one thing and one thing only, to win or to take the territory. And you see, the Roman soldiers, they almost regarded this principle of not retreating as their religion. That was their aim, that they, they should always win. They should always take territory. And their minds were fixed on just that. See, it is that same ambition that should be at the heart of every Christian to say, I will never go back, God being my help. I will never give an inch of the ground that I have gained in Christ. Which reminds me of a time when I was a little boy, uh, age 10, uh, when my mother had come to faith in Christ, I watched her, I was very observant, I watched her, and she, she got rid of everything that represented her old life because she had found Christ and she was this new person and she had to burn everything that represented the kingdom from which God has saved her. You see, the moment you said yes to the Lordship of Jesus, you were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. In that moment, you became a traitor to Satan. And on your own, you are no match against Satan. He is a person of superior intelligence. Not that we're giving him too much credit. We're just stating a fact. And he has a huge advantage over you. And the Bible describes him as a ruler, the prince and God of this world who has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from repenting toward God. So you see, there is only one hope of winning a battle against him. And it is to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. On your own, you don't stand a chance. But how do we do this? We do this by putting on the whole armor of God. Why put on the whole armor? It is because the enemy goes for the point where there is no protection, the weakest points, the point where the armor is not covering. You see, 
when the Bible tells us about Jesus that he was tempted at every point or tempted in every way, just as we are, and conquered sin, the word tempted in every way does not mean that Jesus knew every temptation that we know. But it means that he was tempted at every point at which he could have gotten through. It is the weak point uh, in the armor, but Jesus was covered. This is exactly what we need to do. We need to cover ourselves. If you have left something uncovered, that is exactly where the enemy will attack the most to get you. And he is out to get you. I don't want to scare you, but it's just the truth. Now, Paul gives an inclusive command, uh, an inclusive imperative that must remain constant in the minds of these Ephesians and us as well. It's a vivid picture of how that they should take, uh, take up the whole armor of God. But just a bit of context so that we can understand where Paul is coming from. In the first chapter, uh, between chapter 1 and 3, Paul is talking about the sovereignty of God and how he has redeemed us from the power of, of, of darkness and that we are children of God. The realities of the death, burial, resurrection, and even ascension of Jesus Christ and how that we are seated in the heavenly places far above all of these principalities that, that wage war against us. So it's talking about the sovereignty of God and what he has accomplished through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But the book divides right in the middle and, and, and it later on talks about our response in light of what we know Christ has done. So from the fourth chapter to the sixth, it is talking about our responsibility or our response. Knowing what we know about Christ, this is how we should live. And Paul begins this section of our responsibility by saying that believers must walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which they have been called, which is to be in relationship with God, to serve him and uh, serving him faithfully. He talks about how they should conduct themselves in public, how employers and employees should relate, how husbands and wives and parents and children, how they should relate. And then he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor. And today we're talking about one piece of armor that I believe is very, very vital. Shoes, shoes, shoes. Ephesians 6.15 says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, I just want to say that it is worth noting that the immediate subject of discussion in this uh, passage is actually more about warfare and how that we need to take a stand against the enemy. And secondarily, it is about uh, evangelism or the spread of the gospel. But we'll get there. We'll, we'll talk about the need for the spread of the gospel. But meantime, I just want to state the bottom line of my message today. 
The bottom line is this, that our stability in service to God comes from our commitment to a life of sanctification that comes from the gospel of peace. And in talking about these things, because we're talking about shoes, readiness, the gospel of peace. So I have three points. I'm, talking, I'm going to talk about stability. I'm going to talk about sanctification. Don't let that word intimidate you. It just means being set apart. And then I'm also going to talk about our service to the Lord, which concerns the gospel of peace. So we're going to start with stability. The shoes of a Roman soldier were very interesting. I think we've got a picture there. Uh, the, the historian uh, Josephus, a Jewish historian who recorded many of the Jewish wars between uh, uh, the Jews and the Romans when they wanted to conquer, he describes the boots or the sandals as thickly studded with sharp nails. That's how they were, like this picture here. They needed to have good footwear, foot gear, to traverse difficult landscapes, to get to the battlefield and arrive in good shape to take a stand against the enemy. And these sandals or these shoes or boots, they, were, they, they gave them a good grip. And there's another historian uh, named Strabo. He says that most of the wars that were won by these Romans and other, uh, other um, armies, they owed their victory to the foot gear. So this is a very important piece of armor that I believe we should really consider and take it on. It is all about having stability. A soldier needed stability. Because the word that Paul uses when he's talking about uh, how we engage the enemy, he says we wrestle not against uh, the flesh, but we wrestle against powers and principalities, uh, rulers, and all of these uh, powers that belong to the kingdom of darkness. So we need sure-footedness so we can take a stand against the enemy in the evil day. And I want to say that as long as you are still alive in this world, this broken world, you are going to encounter the enemy. You may have peace today, but you need to take a stand and be ready because one day, whether you like it or not, especially if you're a child of God, one day you're going to receive an attack and your stance, the grip on the ground, your sure-footedness will matter in that particular moment. What God wants is for us to not be moved, to be stable. So the challenge to us is this. We need to ask ourselves, are we standing stable? Are we having sure-footedness? Is there a good grip on the ground? Because on that picture, the, 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 there was a picture with studs, uh, you know, uh, these studs, these sharp nails that the historian described. But there's that other picture there, of, of boots that are worn out. You don't want that because that will not give you the stability that you need when you are engaging with the enemy. He's going to come for you. I'm not scaring you. I'm just stating a fact. We are 
in a battle where we need to be covered. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Do you have sure-footedness? That is a question you need to answer for yourself that I need to answer for myself. The purpose of these shoes is to provide stability, a good grip on the ground, so that we take a stand against the enemy. But then we move on to the next thing. What is it that should act as, uh, as the sure-footedness? Paul is telling us that it is the readiness that, that is given by the gospel of peace. Now, it's interesting, uh, as we transition to talk about sanctification, it is interesting that the word Paul translates as, as readiness has its origin and, and a Hebrew equivalent. Uh, that means three things. It meant the abandonment of idols, the return to the Lord, and also personal purification, like in uh, 1 Samuel 7, verse 3 and 4, where the Israelites had to abandon their idols in order to stand before God and so that he can intervene and use them for his glory. Verse 3 says, So Samuel said to all of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all of your hearts, get then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and Ashtoreths and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him. That act of committing, of, of abandoning idols is, was, is actually the word that Paul is translating uh, as readiness. They were getting ready. There was an abandonment of idols involved. Or when Hezekiah became king, he had to get rid of all the impurity that the previous king had, had, had brought about with the worship of other gods and contaminated the temple of, of, of God. So there was an abandonment of old things, just like what my mother did when she realized that she had found a faith that was real, that was true, a vibrant, functional relationship with God. She got rid of anything that represented the darkness. Secondly, return to the Lord. It was repentance, a change of mind. This word meant returning to the Lord or repenting. Thirdly, it meant personal purification. An example of it is in Exodus 19 verse 10, where Moses says, Sorry, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. They needed to get ready. Now, you know, in the Old Testament, there were these outward actions that reflected their attitude. So they actually needed to wash their clothes how do we appropriate this readiness in our day to day? How do we appropriate it? Because it might look like, you might, you might say, well, I don't have any idols. There has to be an abandonment of idols, just like the Israelites, uh, the Israelites did. 
They needed to abandon the things that detached them from God, that gave them a, a lack of stability as they stood before God. They had to return. They had to purify themselves. An abandonment of idols. Now, in the Old Testament, idolatry is giving to any creature or human creation the honor or devotion with which belonged to God alone. That was considered idolatry, and there was images and things that they worshipped in place of God, and that was a serious uh, offense to God, as it is now. Because in the New Testament, idolatry is giving to any human desire a precedence over God's will. Now, I've been guilty, and I believe if you are honest, you've been guilty of this. And it could be something very innocent, something actually beautiful, like an exercising or being having a, a, a shapely body. For, for those of you guys, you know, those of us who work out sometimes. <laughs> so it could be your commitment to just look good where you could do anything to make sure you just look the part. A good thing, but you're devoting way too much time compared to the time that you give to the things of God. I've been guilty many times where I buy myself something to please myself that is so good. And when I compare with how much I've invested in the kingdom of God, the reflection there is actually, there's is a, an imbalance and that has often reflected my own idols. And I have to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. I don't want my scale of values to represent or to, to, to show this lack of balance when it comes to my commitment uh, or how I express uh, my, my love for you. I want you to be my highest priority. I want to serve you with my whole heart. And God's word to us today, to you and me, is flee from idolatry. Now, I don't mean to condemn anybody. If you've been here or if you've hung, hung out with us for a while at View Church Milnerton, we don't believe that we should smash you and hit you hard so that you can change. I don't think that approach helps at all. It just makes people feel condemned, but there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. What we are saying is that there has to be a willingness to abandon the idols, to abandon these things that we give precedence over our affections toward God, because that is a form of idolatry. Whatever it is that we give so much money into, whatever we give time, whatever we give our affections can and many instances, is an idol. Matthew 6, verse 21 says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. If you want to delve deeper into this subject of, of, uh, of idolatry, I recommend a book by uh, Timothy Keller. Very good book, very good book, Counterfeit Gods. It, it will explain the many different forms that 
we, we, we get to participate in idolatry. Secondly, we need to return to God, but I'm calling it, calling it the repentant lifestyle. Repentance is a change of mind. You say, okay, I'm going to make a commitment and return to the Lord and allow him to tell me what I need to do. That's why I love freedom, the course that we do here at View Church. We love it so much because it gives some, uh, 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 the believer a, a kickstart into the life of sanctification, into the life of readiness. Because remember, we are talking about what stands as readiness. Um, our readiness comes from, from an understanding of the gospel of peace. And the gospel of peace is all about God reconciling us, casting aside all our sins. Jesus paid for them, and he wants relationship with us. So our sure-footedness comes from our commitment to that process of becoming more like Jesus one day at a time, one step in front of the other. It's not just supposed to be a radical uh, thing. It can be, but more than half the time, we need to take one step in front of the other, uh, allowing God to work in our lives. Matthew 3, verse 8 says, Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. There has to be evidence. There has to be something that is evident without me saying a word that I'm actually a child of God. Return to the Lord. Having a repentant lifestyle where, where I notice something is wrong in my life and I lay it at the feet of Jesus and allow him to, to help me deal with that thing. That way, I will ensure sure-footedness. Because if there is something that, that, that the enemy can point in my life or your life, he will say, oh, you can't take a stand against me. Look at your life. And I, as I'm speaking right now, I know that the enemy might be reminding you of your past or the things that you've messed up on. I've messed up in my life before. I, I, still, mess, I, I still get it wrong many times. But Jesus, uh, the writer of, of 1 John tells us that if we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. But, but, but if we admit our wrongdoing, he is faithful. If we confess it, he is faithful to forgive us and to give us a brand new start. And this happens instantly as we confess, Lord, I'm sorry about this, 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 that. That's a repentant lifestyle, always seeking to maintain this relationship between ourselves and God. Like my mother's example, she made sure, and she's been doing that for years, uh, she made sure that she got rid of anything that represented her old life. It is a commitment to a repentant lifestyle, a life of sanctification. This is what ensures readiness, the readiness that grounds you so that you are stable as you take a stand against the enemy. Lastly, uh, on the under sanctification, I want to talk about personal purification. It is your decision to, to, 
to get deeper into the things of God. It is all up to you. You are responsible for the level to which you, 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 you get into the things of God. We are responsible. Second Timothy says, uh, chapter 2, verse 20 to 21 says, In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. If anyone cleanses himself, there is responsibility on my part to make sure that I, I, I let go of these things or I allow God to help me get rid of things that, that are a weight. I cast them aside so that I can have sure-footedness. I stand firm to purify myself. Anything that does not represent who God is and his values, the values of the kingdom, I cast it aside in order to make sure that the enemy has nothing to accuse me of or to tell me, ah, you are not worth, you're not worthy of, of standing in the presence of God because he likes to do that. And if I were the devil, I would make sure that I, I, I tell you that you are nothing, that you mean nothing, that you are dirty. I, I'll make sure I, I, I demoralize you and demotivate you. And that's exactly what he does. He wants to capitalize on those things where you're getting it wrong, in those areas where you're getting it wrong. But we need to come to a place where we, we purify ourselves. We say no to things because the Bible says that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. We're only able to say no because of the grace of God at work and to the extent that we commit to this life of personal purification, of getting rid of things that might hold us. This is the way to ensure that we have a firm grip on the ground. Remember, abandonment of idols, repentant lifestyle, and also personal purification. That is what that is, that is the readiness. That was, that's what gives you the readiness to stand in the face of, of the enemy's attack and, and have a good grip on the ground. Sure-footedness. And now we come to the third thing. I talked about stability. I, I've talked about, I've just talked about um, a sanctification. Now we talk about service. We have been enlisted in the army of God. Your yes to the Lord enlisted your participation in the, in the service uh, uh, of God. The first thing he wants you to do is to make sure you have stability. But now that you have the stability, there's a mandate on every Christian, on every believer to take the gospel to the whole world. Because if the gospel hasn't had an impact on you, it is hard for you to say anything of consequence that will convince anybody. That's why we need the readiness 
that prepares us so that we're able to serve God uh, with, with that confidence, knowing that there is nothing really that the enemy can point out that we haven't confessed. Romans 5 verse 1 to 2 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in, in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. This is where we take a stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Friends, we are in service. We're in service. We're serving God. On the one hand, we are on the battlefield. On the other hand, we are in the marketplace where we need to spread the gospel. And it is a duty of every Christian to take part in the evangelization or the spread of the gospel. Romans 10.15 says, And how can anyone tell them without being sent by the Lord? The scriptures say it is a beautiful sight to see even the feet of someone coming to preach the good news. Friends, if, if my mother hadn't taken time to speak the word, to, 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 um, to teach me about who Jesus is and to introduce me to faith in Christ, I wouldn't be standing here. She took time to explain to me what it meant to belong to God, to serve God. And I'm eternally grateful that God used her. You could be there saying, well, I don't, I don't think I'm called to this. Friends, it's a mandate that's been given to all believers. We are participants in the spread of the gospel. What is it that you think about when you get up in the morning? Because God expects you to take action to serve him, to stand and, and, and be of service to him in everything, to give him the glory, to spread the gospel. Parents, you have an unusual chance especially now that there's homeschooling and all of the things that are happening around, you have your kids' attention. Spend time, take them to the Word of God. Introduce Christ into their lives at an early age. That seed never dies. It happened to me at 10 years old. And look at me, I'm standing here preaching to you. Of course, I'm preaching to myself as well. But it's a seed that was planted. Believers, I am calling you as God has called all of you, all of us, to the evangelization, the spread of the gospel. You may not know where to start from, but you can invite family and friends to Alpha. We're, we're, not, uh, we haven't, we're not far along into uh, the Alpha that began a few weeks ago. Uh, Invite them, let them sign up, encourage them, 
that, that will be you doing your part because you are in service and you, you are there to introduce the gospel of peace to them so that they can experience what you've experienced. Friends, we need to put on the whole armor of God and we need to be stable and our stability comes from our, a commitment to a life of sanctification that comes from the gospel of peace. God has called us to serve him and we, we must serve him faithfully. And I want to say to somebody who's saying, well, that doesn't even apply to me because I don't believe in Jesus. Friends, there's a starting point. There's a starting point for you and me. Um, you can say, Jesus, help me. I want to know you. I want relationship with you. I want to be your child. And you can say that simple prayer and tell someone about it. To that believer who has been in the Lord for quite some time now, I want to charge you. I want to encourage you to take a step and begin to tell someone about Jesus Christ. That is your service unto the Lord. That is you obeying the Lord. Remember, we are being called to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might and put on the whole armor. Those shoes are there to give you a firm grip on the ground so that you stand firm, but also for you to spread the good news of the gospel that brings peace, that brings back man to God. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the gospel of peace brings us back to this place where we stand forgiven in the presence of God. That is good news. That is the gospel of peace. And friends, we have the readiness. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray for uh, those of you that are saying, I need to start from somewhere. But I also want to pray uh, for that person who wants to say, um, who's saying, I, 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 I want to know Jesus. I'm going to pray. Father, I pray for that believer whom you have convicted today. I pray that, Lord, you may give them the courage to spread the gospel, the gospel of peace, and to commit to a life of sanctification so that they have a firm grip against the enemy. God, I pray that you may work in their hearts to give them uh, that courage, that, that, that boldness to put on the whole armor and to make sure that they have a firm grip as they put on those shoes that come from the readiness of the gospel of peace. Father, I pray for that person who says, I don't know Jesus, but they want to know you. Give them uh, uh, an assurance in their hearts as they, as they take this step that, Lord, you you are available to them and that they can just confess your name and come to faith uh, and believe that you died for them and that, that, that you have saved, uh, you have paid for every person who is willing to commit their, lives, their life to you. I thank you and I give you all the glory today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.